Welcome to Change the Narrative. I'm your host, J.D. Fuller, an African-American, licensed psychotherapist, professor, diversity coach, consultant, and author. We talk about the isms. We talk about the phobias, anything that marginalizes and oppresses. Everything we are not and everything we are is because of fear. Through a mental health lens, we'll have difficult conversations with celebrity guests, political activists, and everyone in between. Our mind will tell us whatever we want to believe, but the truth lives in the body, and that's where change occurs. Are you ready to change the narrative? His name is Cole Patterson. He is a 26-year-old police officer born and raised in the Dayton, Ohio area. Cole played college football at an HBCU in Charleston, West Virginia called West Virginia State University. He was a four-year starter and a three-year captain. He won many awards but takes the most pride in winning the Teammate of the Year Award the spring of his junior year. Cole went on to become a police officer and has been doing so for three and a half years. He began to really gain social media presence during the pandemic, just showing who he was in uniform and being himself while maintaining a level of professionalism. Since then, Cole's presence has taken on many forms, and CTN cannot wait to learn more about the man behind the moves. Welcome, Cole. Thank you. I appreciate it. Happy to have you here. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. It's definitely a little nervous, but it's a pleasure. I try. Just breathe it out. It's just going to be a conversation. (laughs) For sure. Look, you're sharing space with me. I want to just basically find out who you are and Mm -hmm. then just ask you about some things having to do with your life. Okay. Okay. uh, I'm Ohio born and raised. I lived here my entire life. Same house. My parents, both parents still together. The area that I'm born and raised in is called Xenia. It's Mm -hmm. not really a ghetto or probably white. It's it's just a good mix. It's a good area to be in. Grew up here my entire life and then until I went to college at HBCU in West Virginia, and then I played all four years there. I loved every minute of it, learned a lot, an absolute lot, not just school-wise. Okay, okay wait, 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 we got to stop there because I'm already asking you to make it make sense, okay? okay. So I'm, I'm going to slow you down because we got okay. we have a, a, a white boy from a red state <laughs> who went to an HBCU. Absolutely. I'm going to have to have you just reflect on that a little bit. And okay. How did that happen? I was never like a phenomenal kicker or punter. That's, that was my position in football. I was never like outstanding. I had one D1 walk-on offer to Youngstown State, but I never called it back. And then I had a bunch of D3s. And then I got an offer from Notre Dame College, which is in South Euclid, Ohio, very north towards Toledo. Mm-hmm. And they're in the same conference as the school that I went to. They called me, let their voice know, Coach Jackson. I'll never forget it. I was at my workout and he called me and said, hey, before you sign anywhere, Give me a chance. So me and my mom drove out there for an unofficial visit and I, I fell in love. The minute I got there, I didn't know what it, I didn't know what HBCU stood for. I didn't know the acronym, I should say. I didn't know anything about it. But the one thing I always told my mother was I want to go somewhere with tradition. And in my mind, I meant like football traditions. I know they don't haze, but like messing with players. That's that what I thought in my mind. But the minute I went to West Virginia State University and saw the tradition of just the campus and the tradition of Catherine B. Johnson was the first African-American female to work at NASA. Earl Lloyd was the first African-American to play in the NBA, like all these different things. And some of the stories of just who traveled through there in little old West Virginia to start this school was just, I mean, it was just amazing. It was amazing. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it because it was just such, it was such a life-changing experience to put myself in that situation to be the minority was just, I mean, amazing. And it helps me in everyday life, not just my career. So what did the parents say? Were they oh, like, I, I, they, 
Oh yeah, they were all for it. I've had people of like all races come to my house and hang out and play video games. We've never been like, oh, we can only have white friends. It's never been like that. It's very doors open to anyone and everyone. We let some of my buddies stay here because their families couldn't support them the best. So we had foster kids sometimes. My dad, I mean, he was just so thrilled to see me live out my dreams of playing college football that there was no limitation or no like, oh, well, maybe. No, it was never. I mean, they all loved it. Okay. Okay. Because that's, I mean, it's one thing to grow up in a diverse community. It's another thing to say, yeah, I'm going to be a white boy in HBCU. Mm-hmm. But given the fact that you had foster kids and you were kind of integrated into that world, it makes more right. sense. Then, but then it doesn't stop getting confusing because <laughs> then we, after the HBCU, you decide to become a police officer. So talk about that transition. So obviously the way the world looks at it is like, you know, you're on this path and all of a sudden you go over here and then now you're looking back to this side. Like it, that's the way the world looks at it nowadays. But my thing is I've always been a very front runner type person where I like to be very proactive and not reactive. When I went to college, I did not know what I wanted to do career-wise. Most people have an idea and then it changes. I didn't have a single idea. All I knew is I was really good at forensic science. I was really good at seeing clues, at scenes like, like, I'm not allowed to go to breakout rooms anymore because I solve it in 30 minutes. I'm really good at figuring out stuff. So that was my only idea. And then I met a cop and he was a state patrol officer for West Virginia. And he just told me, he was like, dude, he was like, I don't, it's not about getting people in trouble. He was like, the, the amount of fun you can have and uh, doing things right and the lives you can change each and every day, just like stopping and, you know, buying lemonade from the lemonade stand. Like just like that's, I'm a very community oriented police officer that knew I wanted to work fairs, festivals, football games, basketball games. Like that was, that's why I wanted this job. And that's why I wanted this career was to be out there with everyone, not to be in a cruiser looking for a crime. And I just okay. wanted to be involved. And I figured this was a good way to do it, but also make a career out of it. Okay. So then a couple months into the Academy, a couple months out of the Academy, you mm-hmm. said very quickly, you knew that as an adult, you had to get your priorities straight to succeed. Right. What is it? So I was at my, I was at my current department now for right. three or four months. And then I was probationary released because right. I was putting my younger twenties life in front of my career. And I, I didn't make any bad choices. I would like, I would stay out all day when I work nights and I wouldn't do the job the best of my ability, even when no one was on campus. Like it was never like I wronged someone or was wrongfully committed of something. It was, all, it was just, I was not getting the rest I needed. And so there I wouldn't be like, I wouldn't be proactive at work. I just kind of sit back and not do anything. So there's being positive and then there's, you know, going out and getting cry. There's multiple things, but I wasn't doing anything. I'll be completely honest because I did not have my priorities straight at all. They decided to split ways with me, which hurts me, but it doesn't hurt me because it's probationary for that reason. And then I got a job in a little, very one traffic light country town. I got a job out there. They paid 13 an hour part-time for 39 hours because you work the 40th, they have to give you benefits. So it was very like, oh, I got to get, I got to get my stuff together. This is what I want to do. It was humbling. It was humbling that you got got called out like that. Yeah, very. I needed it. I didn't know at the time. So I got let go on a Thursday night. I love this. This is the only part of the story that I love. I I went in for my 8 p.m. shift on a Thursday night. And then by 11 a.m. or by 10 a.m. Friday morning, I had another job because losing my job. Like I was petrified, scared. I literally went to the mall and got a job at a sports store and worked in a sports store for, I think, three months. And then I got my next police job because they were in such need that I went out there for a year and a half. Thankfully, my family actually grew up there. My my dad's side, his mom grew up in that little town that I started working in. So I had some connections and I went out there and, and they absolutely loved me out there just because how I handled the community. Like, that area, those cops in that area weren't known for the best. They were speed trapping and doing all these things like before I got there. 
like years before, not even like a couple months. It was like, I got there and I just did my job with respect and integrity because you know, I have my fair share of speeding. So it's not fair for me to be like just getting people for speed unless they're putting people at harm's way. That's how I kind of differentiated it. And how I looked at it is, is you know, I grew up, I learned my, I had my mistakes. I had my choices. So I can't sit here and act like I'm a perfect human being and just do whatever I can to get other people in trouble. That's not how I want to live my life. That's not how I want to do my job. So you said something that I, that I want to get into because mm-hmm. this your quote, although you joined a career field that is looked down upon, you made a promise yeah. to make a difference in one person's life, if not many. I want to challenge that a little bit by saying mm-hmm. you do understand the history of policing um, oh, since enslavement to this current day. It would make sense that people, especially Black people and other communities of color, would feel challenged by the system and feel distrust for it. Mm -hmm. So when you say look down upon, what am I missing? I had a lot of friends who uh, I thought we were closer and they knew me better now. As soon as I, as soon as I joined the academy and as soon as I graduated, they all stopped talking to me. Like there's a handful of them that just stopped talking because of that. And I get it. I don't, I never liked, Hey, you're messed up for that. That's wrong. I thought we were closer. It was everything like that. I totally understand. And I totally get it. Seeing like some of my college teammates get in trouble for, things that they shouldn't have gotten in trouble for, seeing some of the things that they were looked down upon because of their ethnicity and stuff like that. It like helps me be the best I can be in what I do. But I definitely understand where I maybe looked down wasn't my best choices, but it was a sense of like, I get it. I do understand. And I understand the culture and I understand why there's that view on cops, especially nowadays. Our commander always told us in the academy that you know, this isn't the best time to become a police officer because it, it's tough because, it, you know, it's just tough. There's just a lot of things going on in the world that make doing a lot of things tough. Yeah, so it's true. So. And so look, you want to make a difference and you say that you can make a difference and you have a big job on your hands. Mm-hmm. So what does that look like for you individually as a person who's young, got a lot of energy, mm-hmm. have hope? What does that look like in a system that's built on a lot of distrust? So what that looks like to me is multiple things and then multiple avenues. So I currently work at the first department I got, I got Lego from. They brought me back on and I, it's been amazing since. Um, but that's a college campus, which is also an HBCU. So I work for an HBCU campus right now. And so one of my favorite stories so far, other than obviously my video where you found me from, the football team found out that I was a kicker in college. And so they offered me like a volunteer spot because I, I want to be able to coach and I want to be able to help and grow the kicking game in my area. Cause I had to travel 35, 40 minutes to an hour to go kick with a coach. So I want to be that home for here while I live here. Spring practice rolls around first practice. I love This is so funny to me. So the first practice rolls around. I'm in full uniform. I walk out there to meet the one kicker that they have and every player, I mean, every player is looking at me sideways, like who's in trouble. And I go out there. I, yeah, I go, I was like, and I get it. Like I had no disrespect. I don't, I don't find it disrespectful because I know what I was about to do. I walked out there, talked to Jose, the kicker and me and him laughed, joked. I helped him kick. He, within three kicks, he had a 10 yards on his, on his part. And now I don't even get called officer anymore. When I go eat the calf or go walk around campus, they all call me coach. They all call me, you know, they call my coach P or whatever. I mean, it, it, really call me officer anymore, even though I'm in full uniform. Yeah. So. You know, look, you bring something to the table that I always say about my community, which is that when people come into the community, if they have authentic intentions, I have never seen communities of color reject mm-hmm. someone. It may be, they may be challenged because they're right. different, but this idea of being met with hatred, you know, that the way that it's, you know, it's sort of presented in the media, it's just right. not true. And you're a testament to that. 
You know, yeah. you walk in, not just a white body, but a white body in a uniform right. that, that is known to oppress and you still got acceptance. So that's a, that right. is a good story. I appreciate that story. Oh, absolutely. Like another way of that is also through my social media. And I've had so many like 14 year old females, males, it doesn't matter, like younger generation kids message me and say, I don't like you because you're a cop and this, that, and a third. Or they'll come on my lives when I used to go live all the time and say some stuff. And I would say, message me privately and we'll talk about it. And there's been so many conversations that I wish I still had of yeah. like the initial is like, I hate you because you're a cop. And I, I, I respect it. Like, I, I understand. And then I would talk them through it and be like, look, I'm not that way. See, I'm not going to throw you hate. Don't throw me hate. We're like, and we talk them through it. And they all like, okay, I can see where if we had more of you, I would respect a little bit more. And I was like, it's like, I get it. I was like, this just, it's just having a conversation with people, being genuine and showing your heart and showing that I'm not a badge. I, I still have a heart. I wear the badge over my heart, but that's the print. Like, I don't know if you know the story behind the badge, like where mm-hmm. you wear it. You wear it over yeah, your heart you to protect tell, your tell heart. Like Mm-hmm. Right. So you wear a badge on your left, uh, left pectoral to protect your heart if a bullet goes my way. So yes, I have a badge over my heart, but that doesn't make it my heart. It doesn't make it who I am day in, day out. So. So you bring it, you bring another good point, but I'm going to get to that after we get to okay. what, what the pandemic brought about, which was, right. you said the pandemic was the catalyst for developing your social media presence. And mm-hmm. that you did indeed. Yeah. Did you wake up one day and just be like, I'm going to dance in my uniform and see if it goes viral? Well, well, I was trying to hope my work out today. I knew this many questions. I didn't know how I wanted to answer because I want to be like completely truthful. But I, so here it is. Here's the full story. I was sitting in my cruiser one day and I was like, I was scrolling through just, I was running radar and like, yeah, I wasn't paying attention the most probably at the time, but I was scrolling through my eight hour shift and I go to take a lunch break and I'm like, you know what? Cause I've never been a very overly confident person. I've always been kind of to myself. I was really close with all the MH kids when I was in high school. And uh, some people like kind of shunned me for it. Cause they're like, oh, why is he hanging out with the weird kids? But that's just, I, I talk to everybody, anybody, but when it comes to like, putting myself on camera, I, it's a whole different story. So I was sitting at lunch, my, one of my work days and I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna make a video. So after I got off work, I made sure I, from the very beginning, I made sure that I was never on duty. I had a system, I had a whole routine because we didn't have a social media policy, but where I worked was very old school and very like, if you put yourself on social media, it's embarrassing type. I got actually reprimanded for a lot, even though I was off duty, but that's way down the road. But uh, so I made a video and I made a video. It was like one of those ones where like it zooms out from your face and I just smiled or something. And I got some attention from it. But it was never, that was never like, oh, I'm a cop. Look at me. It was just me. Like, I'll see how it goes. And it slowly just built from there. And I, I've always had, I guess my dad, my mom, not a very good dancer. I've always had some dancing ability. And maybe me and my dad will crush some weddings. So I get it from him. And so I was like, yeah, there's some good videos. There's some good trends that I know I can do. And I was like, might as well make a bit, might as well make a dance. And then I did it in your form because I think it shows a sense of I'm the same. I, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm different about me. I, like I, I dance like, uh, oh no to Popo. He's a Columbus police officer. He dances and makes cool videos with the kids. So I was like, yeah, I was like, I can do that. Like I can, that's the type of what I want to bring. I want to make a difference. I want to be a, I want to be a known name for a good cause. Not like oh, you see me in the news and you're like, oh, this guy. So it was like that. I just wanted to show that I'm human. I can sympathize with hopefully anybody. I just wanted to show that I am, I'm just a regular, I'm just a regular guy trying to make a little bit of a living and having fun with it. You know, look, I'm going to be, I'm going to be completely transparent. When I first saw you dancing with brown and black kids, <laughs> you know, that went viral. I'm not going to lie. I was immediately suspect. I was like, yeah, I get okay, it. what's the underlying mm-hmm. here? But I always want to create a space for cross dialogue. So I yeah. want you to talk about what does community policing mean to you? 
So I actually got a lot of hate for, there was a video before that one that went a little crazy because Officer Daniel shared it. It was like another, I was on stage, like the, so yeah. it was out of order. I posted the stage ones first, but it was actually filmed second. Okay. So the, the one, the one that went crazy. Anyways, I got a lot of hate for calling that community policing. They said, that's not community policing. You should do better. All these different things. I view community policing as just putting yourself in the community in any capacity. If there's a lemonade stand, like I said earlier, we, we just had one. I was at I was, uh, work on Saturday and we just had one in the town adjacent to me and we have two officers. So I ran over there real quick just to say hi. And it was that far. We got lemonade and came back and it was a hot day. So I think community policing is literally anything within the community in any capacity. It could be like a social event that's going on at the park. Like uh, anything that you can do just to get out of your cruiser and walk around and be like humanize and talk to people. Like that was uh they were doing like an aux bat or aux chord battle that night and playing different genres of music. And um they would play a song and I'd be like, play this one with better. And then we were all like, it was just the whole, like there was a whole studio section was behind us. It was just something fun for the students to do. And we had to work it. We didn't have to, but we, like, I think that was the one event that week that we didn't have to work, but I still went over there because it's a perfect opportunity to, to stand around, be in the crowd. And I mean, I don't want to sit in my cruiser all day and, and drive by and give dirty looks. That's not me. So, so wait, so it, then why would they get upset about that being considered community policing? I would think that's exactly what community right. policing is. It's having relationships within the community. Right. I mean, I, I quoted a guy. He came at me and said something on my first, the stage video and said, I can't remember, but he said something like, you should be upstairs. You should be up on stage embarrassing yourself and making a fool of yourself. And you need to maintain the barrier between you and safety and stuff like that. I'm like, that's, that's, that's none the problem. Of, right. The, we're in a safe environment. My job is to be there and keep it safe, but no one said I can't go up there and show that I'm just the same and bust a little move and then get back on stage, get back off stage and stand completely still like a robot. That's not me. Yeah, that's hey, bizarre. Well, right. that was another police officer who said this? I don't know. I don't know. No, no, there yeah. was just some random mail on, I think it was on Officer Daniel's page or whatever, but it was just some, I mean, but there's comments like that. People, I've had numerous people come on some of my videos when I was actively doing TikTok and, and wish death upon me and tell me that I hope you get shot and I hope you like all these things. I, and I look at it as I don't have any disrespect for that person. That comment wasn't needed and I didn't like it, but there must have been a point in their life where they've learned not to like cops. So why should I be mad at them and argue back with them? I just want to show them that it doesn't need to be like that. Now, it's a, look, it's a tough one. It seems that, like you said, you work in a community that looks a lot mm -hmm. different than you. You have cultural awareness. You've been exposed to it. You're not threatened by it. You have some dance moves. You happen to be on beat. <laughs> Absolutely. Don't think, don't uh, a little bit. Think, a little don't, bit. Don't think I didn't check that out. I definitely no, saw I, I and, there's, some, um, there's some soul in here. I promise. <laughs> Something moving around in here. I could tell. But then, look, Cole, I go to your page and your merchandise seems a little bit incongruent because if people respond to it differently. How do you explain that? Because it looked like you're sending back the blue, which is a message that is the opposite of community policing. So talk to right. me about how that makes sense. So some of those, my Stay True Be You stuff was the first stuff I ever came out with. And that was involved around a lot of my followers at the time were like very Blue Lives Matter, this, that, and a third. And which I've never been one to sit here and like push that. That's not me. It's not the type of person I am. Some of my stuff had blue in it and I won't deny it. I had an idea to throw out a couple of shirts that had a thin blue line for the people who want to support that and want to, to sit here and be like, that's what I like. That's what I represent. But there's one story that I still hold near and dear to my heart to explain, kind of wrap this together. 
There was one time I made a traffic stop and it was after I had to mail with his son and uh, stopped him for speeding, which he was going like 40, I think 48. He was going 46 or 48, can't remember which one, in a 35. And I stopped him and he happened to play basketball for Western Michigan. And uh, I only know this because he asked me, because I had a patch that had the thin blue line on it in Patterson, because that, that was my only way of having a name tag. And I'm not going to not wear a name tag, obviously. So he asked me, he's like, you, they let you wear that. They let you wear that, that, you know, oppresses African-Americans. I said, no, sir, this is the way I view this. And the way the reason I'm wearing it is because I said, you played for Western Michigan, correct? He said, yeah, I did. And I said, that was your team. That was your, that was, you worked with those guys to try to bring a championship home, correct? And I said, he said, yeah. And I said, to me, this is my last name with my team. It's just us who are working together. We have the bad ones who probably should be reprimanded for some of their actions. Then you have the amazing guys who are going viral for doing great things and being in their communities. And I was like, so it's one of those things where I understood the whole Blue Lives Matter and the Black Lives Matter and all those head clashes. But that's not the reason I had that patch or had those shirts is to clash and be like, let's wear these to bring this activist group down. It was just, like I said, it's a, it's a, it's a team. Cops are a team. We have to, they always say go home safe, but you also got to make sure the community goes home safe as well. So yeah, here's the challenging part with that. And again, nothing but authenticity here. Absolutely. The challenging part is that you sound like this guy who is doing something different. The minute you put that on, it means the same thing to us. And so that's what I want you to think about is that, mm -hmm. unfortunately, the American flag is not what it used to be. You know, right. it's not a, now a sign of extreme groups and right. it's a sign of people who hate people from the global majority. So mm -hmm. you, when you pair yourself with that, that's immediately the thought. And it's going to be hard for people to see right. in mm -hmm. because the impact is going to be negative. And then the same thing with the blue line, the idea that blue is not a lives, it's a career. Right. The choice. Right. We walk on black. Yeah, it's not a choice. And how people respond to us is not a choice. And so to coin a phrase that is the, that has nothing to do with the other, I think mm -hmm. it's people mix messages. So I offer that to you. Oh, yeah. Always, that, you know, always appreciate a learning. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Always so, appreciate a learning experience. So your face on there is fine. The minute you put that blue line, then it I becomes guess. something else and a statement of something else. So I want, I want right. to challenge and reconsider that because I, I appreciate what you're trying to do here. And I'm just telling right. you, the message gets lost. Absolutely. No, absolutely. He came back with some good info too and a good insight, but he also respected and appreciated what I had to say. And he went on his happy way of the warning. And like what I thought of it was, it was a learning experience, especially for the young kid. The biggest thing he's seen was an interaction between his father and yeah. a police officer that went, yeah. I mean, he just went on his way and they were all safe. I hear you. I think that's extremely important to have more right. positive interactions with police officers. The problem is we live in such fear. Right. And that's why the approach is so important. We live in such fear that those into those positive exchanges are far and few between. So I'm happy to hear that turned out positively. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so talk about, I'm going to challenge you again. What happens when you're confronted with an officer? I mean, you're a community policing. You're in a, a place that is conducive to what you want to do. I think it's a great way to mm -hmm. have people have a corrective experience with a police officer. And it sounds like that's happening in the community in which yeah. you work. What happens if you are engaged in a situation where you see a police officer, you know, unnecessary force, which is what right. we see on a daily basis? How do you think you'd handle that? It's not a matter of think because I know I will because I know what's right. What's right or what should be right is always right. And that's how it should be. And so I, I've been thankfully blessed to work with amazing people who uh, we haven't been in in many situations where there has to be excessive force used. Thankfully, I've, you know, I've 
pray to God, knock on wood, that, that you know, I never get in a situation where something crazy happens like that. But if something were to happen, hypothetically speaking, and I saw one of my fellow officers, whether it's a higher rank or lower rank, doing something they shouldn't do and skipping steps of our use of force continuum and how the situation goes, I absolutely you have to report it. It's a simple fact of, you know, especially we're not just fighting to bring everyone together again. It's you're fighting to keep lives and keep people safe and keep people accountable for their actions, whether mm-hmm. it's on either end. I mean, Scotty, we got to hold, we got to start holding people accountable. And so that's something I learned strictly from the academy that I have no issues with either talking to that officer or if they don't want to listen to me, then I'll go further. I'll go up the correct steps of the ladder and do what's correct. And you know, that could end your career. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. But I like I and that's it goes back to my favorite story about being let go from my first department is that I have the mentality to go out and get something done and make a change, whether it's in my life or someone else's. But I got let go that that night and that next morning I got a job at a sports store. I it, my life is not revolved around got not I don't come home and I'm not a police officer for the rest of my life. I'm Cole Patterson. Just bought my first condo with my beautiful girlfriend who we are expecting a baby. So we're excited oh, about congratulations. That. Thank you. So that's new. That's who I am. That's I go home and I'm Patterson. I'm Cole Patterson. I'm not Officer Patterson. I'm not. So if, if I was to lose my job, it's, I, I did what was right and I will live on that. Again, you're about to raise a mixed race baby, which is a very no, no. different experience. So you, yeah, we are. I'm excited. I'm <laughs> She's giving me some warnings because her parents were mixed as well. Her dad was African-American, her mom's white. And uh, so she said growing up with her, with only her mom, unfortunately, uh, her dad moved away. He was still there, but he lived in Florida for a long period of time. But uh, he still, or she still got some looks while she was out with her mom. So she's giving me warnings about that and stuff like that. And, you know, you get side eyes and stuff like that if I'm carrying a little bitch baby around. So, but I. Yeah, I'd say that. But also I'll say you now are a part of the Brown community. You parent a brown child, everything changes. <laughs> uh, yeah. You, you got to think about things differently because you now have a brown life to be responsible for. So this is going to up the ante for you even more. And uh, that's actually, a, it hits home to me because a couple weeks ago, we just had an active shooter situation at my campus. And uh, I was the only officer on duty and I got the call. And first thing I thought about was her and what she's got going on. And, and I was nervous, but I was in the building with a minute and a half and made sure everything was clear and safe. and. Yeah. And so they went home safe that day. So, okay. okay. Well, I'll be checking back on you because when that yeah. baby's born, you know, I'm going to be reminding you. <laughs> I need it. I need all the reminders. I'm so beyond excited, but I am nervous at the same time. So, understood. Understood. But, so, you, it sounds like you, you don't disagree, which means you kind of agree that yeah. police culture needs to change. Yes. Yeah. You agree. How do you think it needs to change? I, I think I'm a good example of that is because I'm not like the typical, I don't think I'm like the typical officer who like when you go out to a bar, you see this guy, you're like, he looks like a cop. I don't think I put off that persona. I'm not some gun toady dude. I, I have my self-defense weapon here at the house. But like, other than that, I don't carry it with me. I don't like, I'm not, the, you know, I mean, I'm not the typical clean shave. Yeah. Whatever. So I think it's just the simple fact of just getting more people to try to make a difference both outside and inside and being just a different type of police officer in the sense of putting yourself in community, putting yourself out there, putting yourself like being more vulnerable than like some emotionless robots walking around the streets. And that's why I think that's what I like to do. I like to be fluid. I like to go with the motion of whatever's going on. Like I see, like, I think the, it's funny. I don't know if my chief knows this, she's not going to be mad, but there was, I got off work at eight and there was kids playing basketball in the gym, which is supposed to be locked which we lock it up, but they open the door for each other to get in. 
So they're playing basketball after hours, the building's supposed to be locked. So I got off at eight, saw them all there, drove in there, not in uniform, played three pickup games with them. And I said, we're playing three games and you guys got to get out. Played three basketball games with them. I actually hit a really nice move at the end to win it. And they, they got their stuff together and left the building like they were supposed to earlier. But that's the difference is the culture is culture for police officers to go in there and yell at them to get out and shame on them for being there and shame on them for breaking the rules where I gave them a good interaction. I played basketball with them for three basketball games to 11 and then they left. Yeah. Either way, the end result is for them to leave because they're not technically supposed to be there, but right. there's completely two different ways to go about it. Right. I, you know, I stayed there for a little bit, played some basketball and then had some fun. Like I had, I had fun for myself, but it was also a great interaction with those students. Right. No, I hear you. I hear you. There's a lot that needs to change. Yeah. One thing that I want to uh, touch on is that there's a lot of infiltration in the police department with these extreme groups. And until they start to check that out and to really screen people in a way that shows they're not a part of extreme hate groups. Right. Again, you have a long, you have a long road ahead of you because you have this progressive mentality. You have the right perspective in terms of trying to offer something into a different perspective into the culture. But when you're up against that wall, you know. I, I was always raised, my grandfather passed in 16, unfortunately, but he always installed on me that if something's not hard, it's not worth doing. Just All like right. dream, just like admiration. So like, what well, I mean, I'm not, I know that I don't have every single bit of knowledge at 26 years old. I know that. And I know there's still more to me or for me to learn on multiple aspects of just life and my career, different cultures. And there's so much for me to still learn in this life. And, uh, but I know that whenever I face a wall, that I will always stick to my guns and what I believe is right and what I believe is fair to not just myself and family, but to anyone. I've, I've always been one to advocate for just fairness, just complete fairness to everyone and all. So I know whenever I face a tough wall in front of me that or you might be mentioning now that I don't have complete knowledge of, so I don't have the best knowledgeable answer to give. Other than that, nothing's going to change my ways and who I am as a person to deter me to do something or do be different or act differently. Look, Cole, especially since you're the father of a brown baby. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So look, it's been great hanging out with you and getting to know you. I really appreciate your transparency and sharing, sharing this space with me. Now, I just want, I want people to know where they can find you on social media. And I understand that you do a flower man service. It's like instead of flower girls. Yeah, absolutely. You yep. can hire you to, for wedding. Yep. So, yep. So give us your, <laughs> your social media handle so they can uh, follow you and see what you're up to. All right. So I am Officer KD on TikTok or Cole Dallas. You can look at me both ways there. And on Instagram, I am Lord Cole Dallas. It's I'm not that big of a D-bag. I own land in Scotland. So <laughs> I'm considered a Lord now. That was a running joke for like a year and a half. So that's me on there. And then Facebook's just Cole Patterson. So other than that, I don't have Twitter or anything like that. So not yet. You will. All yeah. right. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank Good you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Congratulations. Hey, thank you. I appreciate that, too. Yeah. See ya. <laughs> See ya. Bye. Please be sure to like, subscribe, and follow wherever you get your podcasts. And also, leave us a review. Let us know what you think. Thank you for listening to Change the Narrative with J.D. Fuller. 